You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. mistakes and he's going to continue to make mistakes, but he repented of his mistakes and sought God. He came to his knees and asked forgiveness of God and sought God with his whole heart. He was a man after God's own heart, it says. Saul is now so far away from God that scripture tells us that God no longer hears his cries. Saul's crying out, no longer hears them by God. He doesn't answer his prayer. And this is what happens when we continually harden our hearts to the things not of God. There's a vast difference to those who choose to walk in sin, hardening their heart, and those who confess, repent, and continually seek God. Today, Pastor Dave will teach about the consequences of these types of lives. Don't allow disobedience and hardness of heart to drive you far from God. Instead, humbly pursue God and His righteousness. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28 as he begins his message, Saul looks for help in all the wrong places. Samuel chapter 28, as we study God's word, line upon line, verse upon verse, 1 Samuel 28. So we've been plodding away through 1 Samuel now. I don't know how long we've been in 1 Samuel, but it seems like a while. We're coming to the end. The last battle is setting itself up. The last battle in 1 Samuel is arranging itself. And as we've been studying through the book of 1 Samuel, it dawned on me that we've been actually studying a contrast. A contrast between the works of the flesh and the works of the spirit. We've been studying a contrast, if you will. And I was reminded of that as we looked at these things. Saul is representative of the flesh. Saul was representative of the flesh, therefore David is represented of the spirit. One following after the flesh and one following after the spirit. So it's pretty neat when you look at these things. We saw that Saul had absolutely no relationship with the Lord. He had no relationship with the Lord when he started. And even though the Lord empowered him with the Holy Spirit and showed him all great things and said that I would never leave nor forsake you, Saul never followed after the Lord. He hadn't changed from the beginning. He didn't have any relationship with God to begin with. But Saul becomes a worrier. He becomes a schemer. He becomes one who plots evil. He becomes fearful. He becomes obsessed with himself. He becomes obsessed with keeping that which is not his. He tries to keep the throne to the point of destruction. He becomes paranoid. He's haughty. He's proud. He has a controlling attitude. And all these are fleshly. All these are in the flesh. These are signs that, you know, people are walking in the flesh. And we know that David, on the other hand, you see a stark contrast in David. 
David worshiped the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. He obeyed God. He was patient and humble. And he allowed himself to be controlled by God. He exhibited all the fruits of the Spirit. And we know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Both these men were anointed king of Israel by God himself. But they were headed in different directions. Both have been filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. But God withdrew his spirit from Saul and it made him weak and fearful. The spirit came upon David and emboldened him and empowered him to be strong. Saul started out fairly well, but quickly he began to lean on his own understanding because he had no relationship with God. He disobeyed God and he never repented. That's the key. He never repented of his sin. He never repented. His heart never turned toward God. David also started out well. And he continued in the grace and mercy of God, even though he made mistakes. Even though David made mistakes, and he's going to continue to make mistakes, but he repented of his mistakes and sought God. He came to his knees and asked forgiveness of God and sought God with his whole heart. He was a man after God's own heart, it says. Saul is now so far away from God that scripture tells us that God no longer hears his cries. Saul's crying out, no longer hears them by God. He doesn't answer his prayer. And this is what happens when we continually harden our hearts to the things not of God. Or excuse me, to the things of God. When we harden our heart to the things of God, eventually God may not answer your prayer. He may not hear from you anymore. If we continue to be disobedient in these things. We studied that David continued to escape from Saul. He thought that, well, you know what? I'm going to die anyhow. Saul's going to get me. He's going to kill me. He's going to win. Was he not trusting in God at this time? Absolutely he wasn't trusting in God at this time. He wasn't trusting in the promise that God had given, given to him that he would be the king of Israel. So he decides to go back to the Philistines. I liken that to David was so upset with what was going on, thinking that he had gone too far. It's like in us going back to the world. It's like us moving back to the world when things go bad. Some of you have had bad days. Well, now nah, you guys never have a bad day. I know I've had a bad day or two. And sometimes you're going through your bad time, you're thinking, well, you know, wait a minute, I'll just go back to the world. And we think like that automatically. We forget all the promises that God has made to us. We forget all the things that God has done to us or for us. We forget all these things and we think the world has a better answer. And we go back to the world. We actually go back to the world. Well, that's what David's doing. David says, well, Saul's going to kill me anyhow. I don't have a choice. He's not trusting any longer in God. I'm going to go to the Philistines, of all people, the Philistines. And he goes back to the Philistines. And he makes this horrible compromise in chapter 27 with the king of the Philistines. He becomes an outlaw and he raids villages and he loots the villages and he kills men and he kills women. And as the Philistines prepare for war against Israel... David becomes pressured by the king to be on the side of the Philistines. David's now faced with a choice, isn't he? Either stand with the people of Israel or come against them in battle on the side of the Philistines. Ooh. Did David forget that God had anointed him king of Israel? If he was to go against Israel, he would be going against God. 
If he was to come against Israel, he would be going against God himself. Not a good place to be. But David's going to have to make this choice. We'll get into that when we get into 29. But the last battle is setting itself up. The last battle in 1 Samuel is setting itself up. And this is what we're going to study, chapter 13 today, 29, 30, and 31. The last battle is setting itself up. So as we continue in chapter 28, beginning in verse 3, let's look at verse 3. It says, and now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him, and buried him in Ramah, in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. It's interesting that once again, it's repeated that Samuel had died. Samuel's died. We studied this in chapter 25. This was the first verse in chapter 25, almost verbatim. Samuel had died, and all Israel lamented him, and they buried him in Ramah, which was his own city. Why is there we being told that again? It's interesting. Now, many... Many people believe that it's mentioned to point out the great spiritual vacuum that was left when Samuel died. There was this huge spiritual vacuum in Israel. There was no longer someone who was close to God. Remember, Samuel was a prophet. Samuel was a prophet and people would go to him and he would prophesy and he would speak of God's will and tell people how they should live and what they should do. Well, he was gone. He was dead. So there was no prophet. There was no spiritualness going on in Israel. David had not ascended to the throne yet. But I, you know, I agree with that. But but I was thinking that this is here to remind us of the oncoming scriptures you're going to find out. This is here to remind us that Samuel's dead. And I think we need to keep that in our mind as we come to the, if you haven't read ahead yet, as we come to the verses in the future. Samuel is dead. He died. They buried him. So Samuel is dead. The Philistine army is amassing once again for war. So Saul gathers all of Israel together in defense. Let's read chapters, verses 4. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Geboah. Look at 5. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. You know, when we first started studying 1 Samuel, and we came to Saul, he was a man of courage, wasn't he? He did some pretty courageous things. He led Israel to some victories. He did some pretty courageous things. But now the Holy Spirit has left him. God has taken his Holy Spirit away from Saul, and he's now afraid. He sees this great army amassing and coming against him, and his heart trembles greatly. And while he was chasing David all over the country, this obsession that he had with David, trying to kill David, to keep David from becoming king, he forgot about one thing. He was king, and it was his job to protect the nation. And while he was doing that, while he was running over all the place, by the way, in the back of my concordance, in the back of my um, Thompson Chain Reference Bible, there's a double page on the journeys of Saul chasing David. And it was really good, because it starts out here, and actually it goes, 
I mean, it's really wild. It goes all over the place. All of it. It's great. You can really see that these guys, he chased them everywhere. It's really a great. If you have a Thompson chain reference, go into the Bible and look at the back, and you'll find this graphic. It is really quite telling. But Saul was chasing David everywhere. He was so obsessed with not letting David get to be king. He was so obsessed with killing David that he forgot all about Israel. He was unprepared for the war. What did this tell me? What is this saying to you? See, we have to apply this to our lives. If you get so tangled up in the things of the world, you lose, you could lose faith. You could struggle with your faith. You could struggle with a lot of things. But when the enemy attacks, you won't be prepared. When you're so concerned about the things of the world, trying to patch this up, patch that up, trying to do this, trying to do that, and your mind is not stayed on God, and you're not steadfast in your faith, when trouble comes along, what happened? All of a sudden, you're not prepared. You're not prepared, and trouble happens after that. We need to prepare, be prepared when that happens. There's several things I see here in this statement. We looked at a deep chapter on four of Acts, and we read that. We know that the Holy Spirit is our boldness. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and gives you power to witness for Jesus Christ, that power is boldness. The Holy Spirit is our boldness. And we read that about the apostles and the group after uh, John and Peter were sent home from the Sanhedrin. Remember when we read that on um, Sunday night? There is no fear when we are empowered and we're walking in the Spirit. There is no fear. I told you about, I think, many times, and you know, sometimes I say so many different things that my mind gets confused sometimes. But I told you about the fact that when Elizabeth Elliot was flying back to visit the group in the Amazon who had killed her husband, who had killed Jim Elliot and the other uh, missionaries. When she was traveling back there, when she was going back there and somebody asked her, are you afraid? And she said, there is no fear when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit and doing God's will. There is no fear. There is no fear. And she was going back there. What a beautiful testimony. She was empowered by the Spirit and she was going back there. The Holy Spirit is our boldness. And it's interesting that Paul writing to his beloved Timothy in 2 Timothy, in 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's important. Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy was a little bit afraid. He was afraid of what he was doing. He was called to be a pastor, and he was a little bit afraid. And he wanted to tell him, Hey, your fear is not from God. Your fear is not from God. He was telling him that. Your fear is not from God. And when we understand that our fear is not from God, that is the first step in dealing with our fears. And it's a significant step. When you start to tremble and you start to quake, you know it's not from God because he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us that fear to have. You might have a weakness in the flesh, which is why you're fearful. And you, you might be under attack, but it's not from God. It is not from God. And the second step when we deal with our fears is understanding what God has given us. He's given us the spirit of power, spirit of love, and a sound mind. Those are the things that God has given us, the spirit of power. When we do the work and proclaim his word, 
we represent the kingdom. And we have all power supporting us. Jesus says, I have all authority has been given to me. And now I'm sending you. I'm giving you the power. Go, go and be witnesses. Go now. Before they went, what did they have to do? They had to wait. They had to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them, didn't they? Even though Jesus told them that all authority would be given to me, and he was sending them out. The Great Commission in Matthew 28. They still had to wait in Jerusalem. They still had to wait until the dunamis power came upon them. Power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us a spirit of power. We have all power that supports us. Jeremy Camp, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, is in us. Same power. Man, think on that for a while. God has given us a spirit of power. He's also given us a spirit of love. And it tells about the power he's given us. Many think the power in terms of how much control I can have over each other. That's power. I have control over this person. I have control over that person. So I have power. Jesus expressed power in a whole different way. He expressed his power by the way we love others and by the way we serve others. What's the greatest example of Jesus' power? In John 13, after the supper, he girded himself, got a basin of water, and went around and washed all their feet. Serve, humility, love. God has given a spirit of power. He's given us a sound mind. The idea here is a calm, self-controlled mind. What is self-control? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. In contrast to being panic and in confusion, that usually comes with fear. When you're fearful, you're usually panicking because you're afraid. And you have this confusion in your head because you're afraid. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Well, you're confused. God has given us a sound mind. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It gives us boldness. This is what Guzik says about this. Quote, Paul wrote this to Timothy because boldness matters. Without it, we cannot fulfill God's purpose in our lives. God's purpose is more than making money, more than being entertained and being comfortable. It is for each of us to use the gifts he gives to touch his people and help a needy world. Fear and timidity will keep us from using the gifts God gives. God wants each of us to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking and overcome fear to be used of him with all the gifts he gives. So many of us are afraid of God's gifts. We're afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We quake when somebody mentions the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why, there's an entire movement that doesn't even believe that the gifts are available for today. Hogwash. Gifts are just as available today as they were back in the Apostles' Day. Just available. Well, you mentioned Holy Spirit. And people, oh, Holy Spirit. Holy spooky. Ooh. And they all start to freak out. When you do that, you are coming against God. You ever hear of the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're one. When we refuse to listen and obey God, he could withdraw his ear from us and we're left on our own understanding like he did to Saul. And this is always a dangerous place to be. 
for the child of God, this is a completely dangerous place to be. If you reject his word, and he, he usually speaks to you continually, but then he will may stop speaking. Hebrew says it. It said it back in Exodus. It said it back in our, or, or, or um, uh, Deuteronomy, I think. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to quote that. I know it says it in Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the wilderness. Listen to what God wants to say to you and make your heart pliable to him. Receive what he's saying. Receive what he's saying. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, his heart trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who's a medium that I may go to her and inquire her. And a servant said to her, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium in Endor. Saul goes shopping for a medium. Doesn't have the yellow pages, so he has to ask one of his buddies. So I think it's pretty interesting that one of these guys knew where there was a medium. I think that's pretty interesting because he had banned all mediums. He had banned all spiritists. He, he got them out of there. Today you might call them a palm reader or a psychic. To Saul's credit, he did get rid of them all. He got rid of them all because it said that way back up in the, in the third verse. And Saul put the mediums and the spiritualists out of the land. He got rid of them. And this was good because in Leviticus 19.31 and Leviticus 20 verse 6 and Leviticus 27 and in Deuteronomy 18, it talks about this, getting rid of them, putting them out, don't going near them. Saul did this in his early days when Samuel was his influence. He did this when Samuel was around. We have to be careful with such things as tarot cards, palm readers, horrible scopes. I mean, horoscopes. Or Ouija boards. These are modern attempts to practice forms of spiritism. They're dangerous links to the demonic. And even if you undertake them, even in jest, even in fun, Christians should have nothing to do with the occult and these practices. We shouldn't have nothing to do with them. If you're playing around with these things, you're playing with fire. You're playing with something that's really, really dangerous. You don't know what spirit you're of. The Hebrew word for medium is alb, O-W-B, alb. And it has the idea of mumbling or speaking with a strange hollow sound as if someone was channeling. You hear, you've heard of the word channeling? Channeling the dead, trying to get the dead to speak? And the English word medium has the mind of concept of channel. They stand in between the living and in, the, in between the dead. They communicate with both worlds. So Saul disguises himself as to not be recognized. Verse 8. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes. And he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. He disguises himself. He don't want to be seen. God's watching. Who's he hiding from? God knows it. God sees it. You know, Saul's really out of touch with the Lord right now. He's at the point of being cursed because according to Leviticus 20, verse 6, anyone who seeks a medium is bringing a curse upon themselves. So Saul's at the point of being cursed. No wonder God won't answer his prayer. No wonder God won't listen to him. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. 
Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.